Welcome to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Jen Hendrich, and I'm the middle school pastor here at Rolling Hills. In today's message, you'll hear from Pastor Matthew as he teaches from Exodus 11 and 12, the story of the Passover in Egypt. This story in scripture is impactful, not only because it was a momentous occasion for God's people, but it also points us to Jesus's later coming. Dive in together with us as we learn from Matthew. Well, good morning and welcome friends. And um, would you like just put your hands together for the guys who just led us in worship? Was that not just like so good? Being here today, hearing everybody sing, just unbelievable way to kick off the morning. So uh, if you have a Bible with you, uh, let me invite you to go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 12. Uh, that's where we'll be camping out this morning. Uh, and while you're getting there, let me just uh, introduce myself. If I've never met you, uh, my name is Matthew, and I am the college and young adults pastor here at Rolling Hills, and I'm pretty new. Um, my family and I moved to Nashville a couple years ago, and uh, I just started this position back in December. Uh, so this is my first time being here uh, preaching to this campus. And let me just say, we love this campus, okay? Uh, that I'm probably getting in trouble for saying this because this is going to be recorded, but this is our favorite of all the campuses. Um, y'all can cut that out of the podcast later. But, uh, and, uh, and so this is the campus that my family calls our church home as well. And, uh, and I would love to introduce you to my family. I brought a picture. Can I show you a picture of my family? Is that good? Uh, so this is, this is my crew. Um, that's my two kids that we adopted from India. Um, my son, Judah, on my shoulders, and uh, he's four years old or about to be four years old. And he's my gearhead, okay? He loves anything with an engine. It could be a car, a train, a rocket ship, whatever it is, he's into it. Uh, and I heard that he started trying to steal the toy cars out of the kids' ministry area. So uh, we'll have to work on that. Uh, and then my daughter, Ruby, and uh, she's going to be eight years old here soon. And you will notice her running around here because she's going to be either dressed like a cheetah girl or a rainbow, rainbow sparkle unicorn, one of those two. Um, and then my wife, Kelly, who's in, in the room right now, so this is a little awkward. And, uh, but Kelly and I, we've been married for 12 years, and uh, we've, we've spent majority of our life together uh, even before we got married uh, doing ministry. We've been in ministry for 15 years, um, pastoring and preaching and planting churches, and, uh, and here we are today doing college ministry and doing internships and residencies here with you guys, and we're really glad uh, to be here, and, and we just love the church, Okay. We love the church as a whole. And I know the church has problems because the church is full of people and we got problems, right? I mean, look at us. <laughs> don't look at your neighbor or maybe you should, I don't know. <laughs> but we've just committed our lives that we wanna jump in and partner with Jesus and help the church be better because one day we're gonna pass it off to my kids and your children and, and people that are younger than us that, that and, and I just wanna hand it off better than we found it. And I'm really excited to see what they're going to do with the church when we pass off the reins to them. So that has nothing to do with anything we're talking about today. So let's uh, jump into Exodus 12. And I'm just going to read the entire passage for this morning and then pull out a few points straight from our text. So Exodus 12, starting with verse 1. 
It says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of the year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a lamb, they must share one with the nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made with yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roasted over a fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Verse 12. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. And I will bring judgment on the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on your houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. For seven days you are to eat the bread made without yeast. On the first day, remove the yeast from your houses. For whoever eats anything with yeast in it from the first day through the seventh must be cut off from Israel. On the first day, hold a sacred assembly and another one on the seventh day. Do no work at all on these days except to prepare food for everyone to eat. This is all you may do. Celebrate the festival of unleavened bread because it was on this day that I brought your divisions out of Egypt. Celebrate this day as a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. In the first month you are to eat the bread made without yeast from the evening of the 14th day until the evening of the 21st day. And for seven days, no yeast is to be found in the houses, houses in anyone, whether foreign or native-born, who eats anything with yeast in it must be cut off from the community of Israel. Eat nothing made with yeast. Wherever you live, you must eat unleavened bread. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your family and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, Dip it into the blood in the basin and put some of the blood on top of both sides of the door frame. And none of you shall sh go out of the door of your house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and sides of the door frame and will pass over that doorway. 
and he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. When you enter the land the Lord will give you as he promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it is a Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bow down and worship. This is God's word. So I'm going to give you three headings that are going to guide our day that come straight from this text. Number one is going to be the judgment of God. Number two is going to be the salvation made available through Jesus. And number three is going to be the great purpose of our lives. So let's start with the first one. Number one is going to be the judgment of God. So if you're taking notes, you can write that and and follow along. So we've been studying this theme called the greatest adventure. But what do you do when life does not feel so great? I mean, have you ever been in a situation in life where life didn't feel like a great adventure? It, It actually felt the exact opposite. Or maybe you felt like life just was not going your way. You could not go forward. It felt like everything in life was moving backwards. Maybe it felt like everything was falling apart. And listen, not because you did anything wrong, but maybe because you did everything right. Have you ever been there? See, this is where we find the Israelites. The Israelites are in a situation where they are God's chosen people and they were living in Egypt and they were blessed. And now this new Pharaoh has stepped in. And what we're gonna see is he's been ruling over them with oppression. They are slaves. He is committing genocide against them. There are many injustices happening to them. But listen, this is one reason why I really love the Bible. It's because the Bible is raw and it's real. And it's not a story full of a bunch of heroes who had it all figured out, but it's a bunch of everyday people who go through some of the same struggles that you and I do. And before we even jump into God's judgment, I want us to to make sure we understand this part of it before we head in. And, And I hope it brings us some comfort as we talk about a very intense topic. But it's this, that God hears our cries And God has not abandoned us. And if there's any hope we can take from this story, it's that God did not abandon his people. He did not turn his back on his people. He will have justice. And there is no small amount of injustice that slips past his radar. Nothing is hidden from God. And even when we can't see God doing anything, we can trust that he is up to something. And what that might come down to is realizing that God is doing 10,000 things around us at all times, and I'm usually only aware of about three of them. So God sends these plagues, and you can go back and listen to last week's message on the podcast, but what we're going to see is today is the final plague, and it's the death of the firstborn son. And Exodus 12, 12 kind of caps 
captures it, and it says that God will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. And he says, I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. Now, y'all, this is intense. Okay, this is, this is really intense. But God's judgment, what we're going to see is right and it's just. Okay, and God is not biased in his judgment. Okay, God's judgment is going to go from the, the smallest slave to all the way up to Pharaoh, even to all the animals. Okay, he is not biased in his judgment. And what's important here is God says that he's going to bring judgment not just on people and animals, but on all the gods of Egypt. See, because the people of Egypt, they worshiped all these gods because they wanted these gods to bring them life and sustained life. And I don't have time to get into every single one of these. This would be a great study on your own. But they wanted to live and not die. And so they worshiped all these other gods to try to have life. Now, here's how this plays out today. So here's what I know about you and me and people in our lives. Is we, we want to live. Right? And we want abundant life. And we spend tons of money and time and energy trying to stay young and prolong our lives and avoid death and pursue things that we think will bring us joy and happiness and life and purpose. Right? I mean, we ask questions of how can I make sure I'm safe? How can I make sure I have security? How can I be sure that when I die, whatever things exist beyond this life will be ready for me and will be good for me? I mean, I read a statistic recently, and you can fact check me because you can't trust the internet these days. And it said this, it said 100 out of 100 people die. (laughs) So what do you do when you come face to face with death. And this is where the Egyptians and the Israelites are. Is their gods they thought could bring them life, but their gods did not control death. See, there's only one God who has the keys to life and death. And they're about to discover who that one true God is. Now, I know the question some of you might be asking is, is this cruel? Is this a cruel God? And I'm glad you asked. Because, one, I think what we're about to see is God's glory on display and how big he truly is. Okay. But before you put the judge on trial, let me say this. We all have an inner sense of judgment. We all feel there's a line that some people can cross. Right? I'll give you an example. Now, I will never do any of these things, okay? Just disclaimer. But if I went up to one of you today, and you came in the door and went to shake my hand, and I slapped you in the face, you might not kill me. You might punch me in the face, right? But you would go, that doesn't necessarily deserve death. Okay, how about I eat some fried chicken that is so good, I want to slap my mama in the face. Well, if I did that, my daddy 
is going to come after me, right? And he might put me in the ground. I don't know. But how about this? How about if I slap the president of the United States in the face? (laughs) I'm going to disappear from this planet, right? You're never going to hear from me again. You see what I mean? It's like based off of the authority of a person, it it could be the same offense, but because of their position, their power, their authority, it changes the game. Now, let's take this all the way up to the highest authority, God Almighty, King of kings, perfect, holy, almighty God. What happens then? See, God is a big God, and sin is a cosmic offense against holy, almighty God. And listen, there is no such thing as a small sin when it comes to that God. This is why this is such a big deal, and this is why death could be the only thing that would satisfy his judgment. So death came, and everything that God said came to pass, and he really did come. And God came as the destroyer, and the scripture says there was not a house where somebody didn't die. So the next question is, What hope do we have, friends? What encouragement is there for us then? Well, and that leads to the second and probably the main point of the text today, and it's this, the salvation that is made available through Jesus. The salvation that is made available through Jesus. So this is what's great, is God doesn't leave the people alone. He didn't abandon them. He actually creates a way for them to be saved from his wrath and his judgment. So he says every family can take a lamb, a perfect, spotless, without wrong lamb, and you kill it, and you put the blood over your doorpost. Now, you think it's awkward for you to live as a Christian in 2021. Could you imagine doing this? I mean, just to be honest, could you think about it? You know, you're just, you're doing what God said and your neighbor comes by and goes, hey, neighbor, painting your new door. I love the color. Where'd you get that from? Home Depot? And you're like, no, not at all. Like the kid's pet in the backyard. Like what? Like, could you imagine this? This is heavy. We can't just pass over this text. But God says, if you do this, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and I will see the blood, and I will pass over you, and no destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. So God creates a way to be saved. God made a way to avoid judgment, and it was salvation through sacrifice. That something innocent died so something guilty could go free. Now, the reason we don't do this today is because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Jesus is our Passover lamb. This is why when Jesus shows up on the scene in the New Testament, 
He's introduced as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Or as the Apostle Paul writes, he says, For Christ is our Passover Lamb that has been sacrificed. See, this is what's amazing about Jesus, the real Jesus. He used his own death to conquer and defeat death once and for all. He is the author and the source of all life, and he gave his life so that we could live. So in Exodus, God came as the destroyer, and in the New Testament, God came as Jesus, the Savior. And so, you and I can trust in the sacrifice, in the blood of Jesus on the cross, that he will pass over. He satisfied God's wrath on the cross. Fully, right? Fully, like Jesus is God left heaven and come to earth. And he lived perfectly without sin. He was the spotless, nothing wrong with Jesus. No sin in him. He lived the the perfect life that no one else can say that they lived. And then he went to the cross in our place and for our sin. And here's the, the amazing thing about this. Is when Jesus died on the cross, everything that he earned, all the blessings he earned from God, he traded for us. So we now inherit the blessings that Jesus deserved. And he took on the cursing that we deserved. And God's wrath passed over. Here's what's amazing. So when God looks at you and me, for those who are in Christ, what he sees now is Jesus' righteousness. See, here's what's crazy. The Israelite people couldn't get themselves out of the situation they were in. No matter how hard they would have tried to get out of slavery in Egypt, they would have never been able to do it on their own. They couldn't just go to Pharaoh and say, hey, I did enough good deeds, would you set me free? There was not an amount of good deeds that they could do to set them free. And this is what separates Jesus from all other gods, is Jesus left heaven and came to us. He didn't look at us and say, you have to like climb this endless mountain of effort and good deeds to earn my grace and my salvation. He said, no, no, I give it to you freely. And I know there are some of us that we have been in the situation where we've been doing it on our own and we're trying to get our life better on our own. And if we could have done it by now, we would have. But it's Jesus. It's only Jesus. He is our substitute. And his love and his grace and his forgiveness is unbiased. And it is available to everyone. And it doesn't matter if you're the king or the servant. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It is available to everyone, no matter your past. And no matter what you've done, and listen, my dear friends, some of you are so hesitant to come to the presence of Jesus because you feel like all that awaits you is judgment. And I would want to remind you that there is more right with Jesus than there is wrong with you. 
He is the true and greater Passover lamb, and we are safe in Jesus. Number three, and that leads to the great purpose of our lives. So after the Passover happens, God tells them, hey, you got to eat quick. You better meal prep well. This is coming. No time to even let your bread rise. You're going to rush out the door and you're going to begin a new life. A new life. Right? He said before, you're going to stay behind the door until I pass over. But once the Passover is done, you're going to flee out the door and you're going to run into freedom and forgiveness. Okay? And he says, and here's what we're going to do. And in verse 26, he highlights, and when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you, then tell them. It is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who has passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. So this is what we do when we do communion We are celebrating this moment. We are celebrating Jesus' death on the cross as our substitute. We are remembering that. And when we walk in this freedom, God shows us what the great purpose is for our lives. And he says, tell them. Tell them. Remember me and tell them. Know me and make me known. That's the Christian life. This is living. This is the greatest of all ventures. And if we could get a glimpse of the real Jesus, y'all, we would look around at this world and say, bring it on. If we knew the Jesus who was standing with us here beside us, the Holy Spirit in us, he was with us, he was for us, we'd say, bring it on. We'd look at the world like the Apostle Paul said and said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I've got all of heaven and Jesus awaiting me. What can this world do? See, one of my favorite pastors is actually right next door at our fellow brothers at Emmanuel. And he says this. He says, the Christian life is not about being amazing. It's not about being impressive. It's not even about being good. It's about knowing Jesus and making introductions to Jesus. So, a little bit of my story, and to tell you how I even got here in five minutes or less, is um, I did not grow up in a Christian home. Okay, I did not grow up in a church family. Uh, I was the first person in my family to be saved by Jesus and become a Christian. I was 21 years old. I was a senior in college, okay? And listen, and I grew up poor. My family did not have anything. And my whole goal for the majority of my life was I wanted to be rich. And I wanted to be nothing like my parents. I wanted to get as far away from my family as I could. And I wanted to finally have purpose to my life and value. And so that led to a whole life of destruction and chaos and a whole life of achievement. My whole life was based off of being the best. So I got to college and I tried to triple major, 
Okay, physics, math, and computer science, all right? Overachiever, I, like I had a problem. My problem was is I was trying to find my worth and my value in what everybody else said about me and in all my achievements. And then one day, Jesus hunted me down when I wasn't even looking for him and changed my life at a college ministry. And that was the beginning of my senior year. About three months later, like, and, and I was all in. Jesus totally 180'd my life. Like, I knew who the real Jesus was now, and I'm all in. And so about three months later, it's Christmas break, and the director of the college ministry came to me and said, it seems like God's at work in your life. We're looking for somebody to join our team in the summer as a resident. Would you be interested? Okay, problem. I'm about to graduate. I've got my graduate school offers. I'm going to get my PhD. Like, I'm going to make money. I have my whole, my whole life is in my hands. I'm going to do research. I'm going to live in a skyscraper apartment. I'm going to drive a nice car. Like, I had and all the college professors are like, what are you thinking about? <laughs> no, you're not. And I was like, I had my whole life, everything I had worked for, finally in my grasp. And I said, to the guy, I said, can I pray about this? He said, yeah, but I need to know about tomorrow morning. <laughs> so I went into his office, and I said, I'm in. Later, my dad wrote me this long email saying, I've been, I've been so proud of you your whole life, but I can't be proud of this decision. Don't expect to come home. And about five years later, I got to baptize my dad. So I went into his office and I said, I'm in. He, said, he asked me one question. He said, why? And the only thing I could come up with is I said, I've been searching my whole life for love, meaning, purpose, value, hope, a new life. And I said, I finally found what I was looking for. And I said, actually, he found me. And it's Jesus. And now there are 4,000 other college students at my campus who are looking for the exact same thing I was. And they're searching in all the wrong places, just like I was. I have to tell them about him. Friends, I'll never promise you it will be easy following Jesus, but it will be worth it. We have a great Savior who rescued us, who saved us, who we will remember today as we take the elements. But let us not keep it in these doors, and let us get out into the world on the other side, knowing that wherever you find yourself today, whatever dead-end job, whatever class you hate, whatever roommate apartment situation you have, you are there on purpose. And God has not overlooked your situation, 
And the real Jesus has not abandoned you. And he has not forgotten you. And he is still working all things out to the good of those who he has called and who he has saved and who he has given purpose. And so if I could end our time with a quote from what I believe is the greatest adventure story of all time other than the Bible is Lord of the Rings. (laughs) And uh, there's a quote where Bilbo Baggins is wondering in the middle of life being so dark and so hard, he asks, don't adventures ever have an end? Like, isn't enough enough? He says, I suppose not. Because someone else always has to carry on the story. Let's pray. Oh, Lord. Man, God, I thank you. I thank you for those who are believers for saving us. It was all you, Jesus. We couldn't do it on our own. And you saved us. And that is worth celebrating. That is worth singing. And that's worth living. So God, I want to pray for the person today who is wondering if you're there. They, ha- they, they know what their head says. That you're good and you're faithful. And, and maybe they even sang it just a little bit ago. But in their heart, they are struggling to believe that you care. And oh God, I pray that you would draw near to them right now. Just whisper into their soul the truths of Scripture that you have not abandoned us. And the evidence is Jesus on the cross and filling us with your Holy Spirit. God, I want to pray for the one who has run away from you because their view of you has been cruel, that you're a cruel God. And that you're waiting just to strike them down with a lightning bolt from on high. There's shame and there's guilt and they're all too aware of everything wrong in their life. And I pray now they would draw near to you. They would trust in your sacrifice as the final full payment for all sin. God, this person, I know there are people, they don't even trust themselves in the future to stay faithful. And I pray, God, that they would trust you to help them remain faithful. And we pray our city would know you and that you would invite us on this grand adventure to make you know. Father, thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, where you can find great podcasts like Making History, Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, Rolling Hills Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. 
From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on what's happening and the ways that you can connect. We're so thankful for you.